It's Brandon Hull, and this is Freelance to Founder. You know, I'm actually thinking we probably should have thought it was weirder than it was. I definitely have a hippie by nature background, and I was just like, this this is it. This is, this is amazing. Um, what I can say is we've always had a very tested post-it note um, approach to making sure that this is going to resonate with as many other human beings as it did for us when we were like, oh my God, this is the thing we're going to go spend all of our time on. And within a couple of days, we had hundreds of women writing in and telling us they wanted to open their home to do it. Um, and I think that that was honestly all we needed to just stop everything and hyper, hyper focus. So it was like idea met by listening to the existing community. And then from there, we just took off. Hey, everybody, it's Brandon Hull with Freelance to Founder. And this is the podcast where I dig into the stories of other freelancers and solopreneurs who've scaled their businesses to something much bigger than themselves. And that has never been more true than today's episode. In this episode, you're going to be introduced to Quilt. You can find them at wearequilt.com. And it's founded by our primary guests today. That's Ashley Sumner and Gianna Wurzel, two women still in their 20s who wanted to break other women's reliance upon our digital social networks to help members form real social networks locally in their homes. You become a member of Quilt, and then you can attend local in-home gatherings of women who take part in real conversations on focused subjects to forge connections of support, love, and trust and encouragement without having to wade through small talk and without women having to reveal too much about themselves. You know, it's easy to see that much of our lives, and that includes the most important interactions that we have with each other, is now digital. Fewer and fewer eyeball-to-eyeball, heartfelt conversations. And while that's efficient and maybe at times more effective, it leaves out some important connections that we need if we're going to be the very best version of ourselves over the long haul. There's something really powerful about being inspired by someone sitting in the same room as you who's faced their own demons or adversity in life or maybe going through it right now, but they're looking you in the eye, encouraging you, and helping you overcome challenges in your life. We get creative in this episode. In the first half, you'll hear my conversation with Ashley and Gianna as they share how they and why they built Quilt. And in the second half, you're going to hear my conversation with one of their members, one of the actual women who hosts these gatherings in her home. Her name is Ariel Schneidman, and she's been a part of Quilt for just over a year. I wanted her story because without it, you're missing the full picture. You're only hearing what Ashley and Gianna built and why you're not hearing the impact they're making. And it is real and darn near magical. So let's get to my conversation with Ashley and Gianna of Quilt. Whether you want to travel more or communicate better with international clients, you need to try Babbel. I've used Babbel's courses and you can do the same in order to learn real life conversation skills in a different language, order food, ask for directions, or speak to clients without having to use translation apps. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash freelance. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash freelance, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash freelance. Rules and restrictions apply. 
Ashley and Gianna, thank you so much for joining me on Freelance to Founder today. It's it's genuinely a pleasure to have you guys on and an honor even. Thank you. This is a uh, really, really unique story because there's nothing like Quilt out there. Um, and listeners will have just gotten uh, their intro to what Quilt is all about. And it's there is generally, I think, similar models out there, most of them digital, not so much in person. So I'm really excited to hear the, the backstory and, and how you guys discovered the model and, and felt so committed to them being in-person gatherings. But if you can level set things for me today and for listeners and just talk about where the business is at from a numbers standpoint, um, can one of you guys share exactly where the business is at today? Yeah, of course. Uh, this is Ashley talking. <laughs> Um, you know, it's been really wonderful. We, we, we launched a few years ago, but we've really been live in, in the past 18 months. So we're currently live headquartered in Los Angeles, but also in New York and San Francisco. Um, and in 18 months, we've had over 2000 gatherings out of women's homes, um, where anywhere from five to 10 women are showing up to each. Uh, we have a very active membership community who've created this like weekly ritual out of coming together. Um, you know, we've raised some VC funding. We're still pre-Series A, but um, but we're funded and we're able to start growing in a way that uh, can be extremely impactful now. So we're excited. A lot of lives being changed already. And it sounds like it's it's people that come from a variety of different backgrounds. In some cases, it might be women who are wanting to start their own business and want that sort of supportive community um, or an in-person type of community uh, with peers that are looking out for them. Um, in other cases, it might be uh, people that are going through a different type of transition in life, but want a similar type of a support community. So if we go back in time, um, pre-Quilt, and, and try to figure out where the idea for Quilt first came from, who can help me get a feel for where, where Quilt as an idea popped into somebody's head as needing to exist? Yeah, well, uh, Quilt actually started as a, as a co-working idea. Uh, it was really uh, where Ashley and I had, uh, had come from. So uh, I had started my first business, which was converting homes into community and co-working spaces for women. And Ashley was working for some some very big brands in the space, like Noya House and Wanderlust, um, and community building for them. And we came together, and um, and I'm sure we'll tell that story at some point, and built a, a beautiful friendship, and now and now partnership. Um, and ultimately, in looking at you know both models and and both of the experience that we brought to the table, it was like, well, wait a second. Ashley was fairly tired of building community for the top 1%. And I was noticing that this one home that I had created in Venice Beach wasn't nearly as accessible enough to the every woman because it was only one location um, and one price point. So it was kind of like this aha light bulb moment where it's like, well, what would happen if we just enabled other women to open up their own homes to women for co-working and now conversation, which is what quilt stands for today. Did that, but that's still extremely unique. The idea of opening up your own home to a group of people that while the aims are the same, they are strangers to you in some ways. So what was the, 
how did what, how did you guys lock into feeling like oh yeah people will embrace this idea without a, without any concerns at all how did you how did you feel like this is the way to go it's clearly very differentiated and so for that reason alone it's it's appealing and intriguing but from a comfort level standpoint how did you guys feel like it would be one that would take well i'll say something first and i'll let ashley answer this but you know i think we're really fortunate because brands like airbnb paved the way, right? So if you're going to let strangers sleep in your home, we didn't feel like it was so far-fetched to have someone come in your home to co-work or to have a conversation or to connect. Um, But I think Ashley probably has a a more expanded view on this. You know, I'm actually thinking we probably should have thought it was weirder than it was. (laughs) (laughs) I guess we've been Um, opening our homes for so long. It was like, yeah, come in. Sure. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I'm, I definitely have a hippie by nature background. And I was just like, this this is it. This is this is amazing. Um, what I can say is we've always had a very test it, post it note um, approach to making sure that this is going to resonate with as many other human beings as it did for us when we were like, oh my god, this is the thing we're going to go spend all of our time on. Um, and so we did. We had built community for a while. We had an email list of a couple of thousand women, and we sent an email saying like, we have this idea. We want to run it by you. Would you be down? Would you open your home? Would you not? And within a couple of days, we had hundreds of women writing in and telling us they wanted to open their home to do it. Um, And I think that that was honestly all we needed to just stop everything and hyper, hyper focus. So it was like idea met by listening to the existing community. And then from there, we just took off. And who was the, who was the, there's clearly numerous types of women who are in different stations in life, different positions in life, different circumstances in life, whom this could appeal to. Did you have one or two or three like avatars or profiles specifically in mind that you felt like this person needs a local community and whether they host it or they attend it, they need to be a part of something. And this is who we want to speak to. Yeah, I mean, initially, uh, off the back of the the initial co-working idea, we really thought that we were talking to freelancers and entrepreneurs, because those are the people that are co-working. And then very soon after we we launched, uh, we started to understand that this is really for the every woman, uh, that women just really wanted to come together and gather and have meaningful experiences um, and connect in a more authentic way. So uh, that shifted that shifted very fast for us. Uh, but initially, yeah, it was freelancers and entrepreneurs. Did you have a lot of outside input besides the what you guys, the ideas that you were bouncing off of each other? Did you have a lot of outside input of ideas from other people saying, oh, you should do it this way. Oh, you should do it this way. Were there different models that you entertained, though, before settling on the way you have it now set up? Um, Not really. I mean, we, again, I'm still reflecting. I think, you know, you're spending some time with us right now. And me and Gianna are like, we're just, it was, it was so clear to us and we so quickly came up with what it was. And I think we might be fairly convincing human beings (laughs) (laughs) Um, that, yeah, I mean, there it's innovative and it's strange. It's rooted in things that have come before us, like opening your car to somebody or opening your home to somebody. Um, I think we've played around with the pricing model the most because that, that is the one that we've like, We've tested an Airbnb style. We've tested a membership kind of class pass style. So I think that's the one we've allowed the most influence for. But we're uh, we have a collective vision for this, and I think we're very fortunate that it's been 
created and evolved with the with the community um therefore maybe not so much well (laughs) there is there is a moment that's coming to mind and I, i won't name names and i highly doubt the person would ever be listening to this anyways um but there was a, a mutual friend of ours that um, out of everyone that we told the idea to, everyone, you can always tell when something resonates. And some people are like, oh my God, this is, you've you've come upon something that's so simple and so brilliant and so innovative. But there was one person uh, <laughs> who, when we, when we got funding, who, he, who this person has also raised a lot of money and has been an entrepreneur, uh, when we told this person the idea... Um, they responded with like, I mean, I just don't get it. Like, I don't think anyone's going to think this is interesting, but like, amen. And then when we finally raised money, they, they were pretty surprised. So I think that there are always going to be a few, uh, but for the most part, yes, I think to Ashley's point, I think that we can be fairly, fairly convincing. And I also don't think it's, you know, I say this all the time, even at the gatherings that I host and Ash and I both still host once a week. I'm actually hosting a party tonight, which is, um, which is why I have a time limit, but you know, this isn't, it's not rocket science. People have been gathering for centuries, uh, particularly out of homes. I think that we've just utilized uh, technology and we've developed our own framework to make that more accessible to more people. Right. So the business model being so dependent upon being in person brings a lot of dynamics and eliminates a lot of dynamics that, um, I feel like increasingly people have a problem with anyway with modern society, which is that we're not connected in real ways with people. It's digital, it's social. And while that can broaden your network, let's call it, I don't mean network in a you know smarmy kind of uh, businessy way. I mean, just your support group. Um, while it can broaden it, it may not deepen it, if you know what I mean. And that uh, I feel strongly that that personal eyeball to eyeball connection is best made, is best done um, in person where you can literally shake hands with somebody and, and have lunch with them or something like that. Um, you not only bring that piece to people where they can be, it's almost like a, a, a response to modern society being so digital and disconnected, but kind of digitally connected and you can make it very real. That adds a lot of dynamics where people still have to have a certain amount of chemistry if they're going to be supportive and get along with each other and that sort of thing. In your early days, when you first started holding these types of gatherings, what were some of the aha moments that you guys had for this to be something that validated the idea and gave women exactly what they were hoping, what you were hoping that they would get from these types of meetings? How did how did it go early on, and how did things maybe iterate after those first, uh, you know, numerous dozens or hundred meetings or so, where you realized, okay, okay, we're learning how to how to nudge these meetings in the right direction so that they, so that women get what they really hope to get out of them. They don't show up and feel like, Oh, that wasn't what I expected. What did you do early on and how did they evolve? Yeah. Great question, Brandon. Um, So early on, we've tested a lot of different types of gatherings out of homes. Um, We felt passionate about having co-working as an experience, about having something we called learn shops as an experience, which is, where do you go to learn from a woman? So an expert opening up her home and really teaching and being able to ask her questions. And then we've always, almost within the first few months of launching, had this chat framework that we've specifically designed in-house that we've tested over the past 10 years um, that was really just meant to spark conversation to allow these other types of gatherings to flourish. Um, And a year in to testing all of them and listening to the community, 
really everyone keeps and has kept showing up to the chats, the conversations, the, you know, modernized talk circle where they follow a discussion guide that we've designed, whether it's on money or power or desire or creativity, like everything in between. Um, we essentially learned that we, we kind of created this simple framework that does allow for everyone to be equal in the room, to talk or share when they want to, to be asked really thoughtful and engaging questions that can activate more than just your mind, but really help create a sense of presence and connection with other. Um, and we've ultimately decided to move away from having the platform be open where any type of gathering can happen. Um, and we have our specific guidelines and the specific discussion topics, and we collaborate with our hosts to continue to make them and evolve them. Um, so now we just have the one type because it really, they kept coming back for that specific one. And we definitely learned our lesson of trying to try too many things. And I think we were both not, not will, like not willing to admit that something so simple could be so effective, but yet it is, and it was, and it is our kind of core soul product now. Um, so we've tried a lot of gatherings out of homes and, you know, we feel really confident in the kind of ritualistic chat style framework that we do have today. Right. So, and I would imagine with, with women coming from, as I, I don't want to uh, go on and on about this, but coming from different circumstances and hoping to get something slightly different out of it from a career or, um, or support standpoint as a next step, um, it still does feel like that there needs to be a certain branded element to it. So if, if somebody attends a quilt meeting or a quilt gathering in LA or some part of LA and attend another one in another part of town or in a different town, that there's enough flexibility in how the meeting goes uh, because of the participants, but also enough consistency because of this is why they came to quilt in the first place, right? So how have you worked with hosts to be the best quilt host they can be as opposed to just being a really supportive person? Yeah, so I mean, that that really speaks to the first touch point that Ashley mentioned, which is the chat framework that we've developed. So that framework has been developed and refined over many, many years, um, particularly over the last few as we've distributed it out to a network of, you know, a thousand women who host for, for quilts. Um, but we have a we do have an onboarding process with our hosts. So we get on the phone with them, we have conversations with them, and, and generally our host community has grown very organically. So they've grown or they have applied based on having attended the chat themselves, which has been really beautiful because then they understand the way in which it's supposed to function. And a certain level of, of self-awareness is really required. You don't have to be a professor, you don't have to be a yoga or meditation teacher. Um, you don't have to be a professional speaker in order to facilitate a meaningful conversation for three to eight women out of your home. Uh, but that level of self-awareness and following the guide that we've created is, is really important because the guide that we've created offers a number of questions and they're not meant to be followed one through eight, right? You typically only get through a couple anyways. Right. Uh, but that self-awareness to say, oh, okay, the conversation is shifting in this direction. I'm going to go to question four as opposed to question two. Um, and we do have principles that we've created as well that are read at the beginning of each chat so that everyone is grounded in the space to understand uh, the way that it, it functions, that we all allow one another to speak, uh, that we're not here to judge. So there are a couple of those that, that are 
inherent in, in every chat that you go to. Right. So I think what's beautiful about that is that everyone has their own flair. You know, we have hosts that are 30 years old and we have hosts that are 72 years old. Um, and the breadth of, of wisdom and, and experience that, that you have going from that, that woman's home to another woman's home is, I think, really fun. And I think that's part of the, the curiosity inherently of the women that come through quilts, because as opposed to looking as going into a stranger's home as, as something that's like weird or scary, it's more so like, what's behind that door? Like, what could happen? Who right. could I meet? Right. Um, so, so yeah, the host onboarding process and, and the discussion guides, um, I would say, are, are the ways that we ensure a level of consistency. Okay. And then similarly, just, you know, you guys made reference to Airbnb as the sort of the, the um, I don't want to say a proof point, but as a good model to tell you that people will feel comfortable with this entering a stranger's home for some activity. Um, the, the, the piece that's always the unpredictable piece or it's always the, um, uh, the variable piece is just the personalities of the people themselves. Um, so having a framework can totally see why having a framework not only builds quilt as a great brand, but helps to ensure or at least be more certain that people are going to get out of it what they hope to get out of it, uh, but whether they're hosts or just attendees of the gatherings themselves. But as time goes by, I just assume the law of large numbers <laughs> plays out and there might be times where you've uh, either already had um, things just not go the way they, that, that you thought they should or learning points for you guys in building it as a business as opposed to uh, you know, just a nonprofit enterprise or something where you're facilitating these events. Um, what are some of the lessons learned maybe where you've had to pivot along the way and building this as a genuine brand where people have that predictable experience time and time again and stick with it themselves, whether they move or don't move? Yeah, I mean, I think um, very early on, we've, we've chosen to, um, we've chosen to go slower um, so that we can listen um, we have a very active community feedback loop. You know, we um, almost every member has one of our phone numbers. <laughs> wow. Uh, still, still to this day, you know, and we're opening up our own home and we, you know, we're very deeply connected and, you know, we're, we're investing in quality up front and kind of tighter guardrails up front and kind of word of mouth grassroots growth and not putting money towards, you know, the marketing and advertising up front so that we can create a proper community structure. I think there's a lot of companies out there that identify as communities and they're really services, right? And community mm. means that you are showing up in participation and you have a role and you take care of and honor what the community stands for because you belong to it, you identify to it. Um, and when you've done that from the ground up and you're not retroactively trying to kind of like clean it up and, and pull forward, I think it really does allow for um, a sense of ownership from everyone. So in moments where something doesn't feel quite quilt, um, it's beautiful because we'll get an email or a phone call or a heads up, not in like an angry way, but in somebody feeling like they're kind of protecting that, that beautiful thing we've created, which is allowing us to decentralize this access and opportunity in a, in a unique way. So I think instead of having 5,000 mediocre gatherings in 18 months, we've had 2,000. Um, but we've cre been creating this playbook and these guardrails and 
we're now really doubling down on building technology that shows up in the moments where you're not offline and and making sure that it is a holistic facilitated um, on to offline experience um, that can continue that feedback loop. So I think it really just comes back to feedback and, and that loop that keeps coming through. Right. And it seems like it's important for you guys to have a mechanism to have a, a finger on the pulse for how these meetings are going, even as they expand, you know, a, a quilt meeting that happens in LA or, you know, a few hours away, maybe you can drop in or something like that to participate in. I don't know. Um, but it's another thing when a quilt meeting is taking place in Boston and maybe when one is happening in uh, Manchester, uh, England, um, and, and, and when there's cultural issues involved as well, have you guys thought about the future, um, the next, you know, 12 months to, to 36 months, how, how do you see quilt expanding its footprint to be able to make an impact on uh, women's lives elsewhere, but again, still maintain that quilty feeling <laughs> to things, you know, where it's still branded quilt? Yeah, I mean, what we can tell you, one, one of the things we've said from, from day one, which I think really does paint a picture, is just imagining right now at three o'clock, you know, Pacific Standard Time that there are a million homes open with 10 women sitting inside each. Um, sometimes when we, we think about scaling, we think about, you know, how do, how do you get thousands of people in a hundred thousand square foot space? And that's, that's not, it's not about putting a, you know, a, a flag in the ground and taking ownership over it, but about empowering other people to, to do that thing that we've created. So this umbrella company that can support micro communities, both in, in their own needs. And also, um, I think as we cross over and connect, um, with, other people from other backgrounds and have those conversations. Technology for us as the, the vision has always, you know, we launched iOS two months ago, um, which is really exciting for us. And we've always seen this as um, an on-demand opportunity for specifically for women to always have access to somewhere that is safe for them to express themselves, for them to have fun, for them to just be fully themselves and continue to grow kind of beyond any limiting belief that might stop them. So everything we're doing, whether it's building out a new feature, you know, we launched with a map view. So you have access to seeing locally who's gathering when and where. Um, we have our connections view, which is not like I have a connection on LinkedIn because we've, you know, consented to agreeing. It's literally the list of human beings you've made eye contact with and have shared with from the moment you walk out of every gathering you go to, this address book of people that know you continues to grow. Um, so we're going to continue to build out um, how Quilt can show up for our community um, on a daily basis, um, as well as the more we have this theory that the more um, robust the online experience is, the more we can inspire people to continue to go offline and therefore tap into more personal and professional development opportunities, kind of get out of their own, I think, as entrepreneurs, weirdness. You know, you get into that that uh, mental vacuum space or the head trash that can come along with the limiting beliefs of thinking some, you know, I'm not far enough along or I'm struggling with this thing or a mother going back into the second shift. So we really want to just kind of be that, that, that friendly person that reminds you to go connect in, in person. So that's really the focus for us. Um, we're definitely expanding to other cities. Um, we've had women writing in for the past couple of years from all over the country and Peru. We had a woman write in this morning from Bali 
wanting to like be the the quilt leader in Bali. I'm like, sign me up, I will go. <laughs> Hands-on um, help so, <laughs> to get that one started, right? <laughs> what do you need? I'm here for you. Um, so we're really we're really figuring out um, where we're going to go next, but we already feel confident um, that the framework works, whether it's in you know a, a vertical first tier city or um, you know we've tested in kind of the outskirts and suburban areas as well, and it's gone really well. And even I just want to add to that, I mean, from its inception for Ashley and I, uh, it has been a global concept. So even, I mean, for, you know, one thing at a time to Ashley's previous point, uh, why we haven't had 10,000 gatherings, we've had 2000 really high quality gatherings. Um, But that this is something for us that we do see as a global concept. And because it's because it's really just bringing us back to our to our human nature and a human need to connect with other human beings in a real way. I think that we do have a real opportunity to be uh, resonant and relevant for individuals globally um, that aren't just in LA or not just in the US. Uh, So I think that'll be very interesting for us as, as we continue to grow. Well, I'm extremely excited for you guys. I think it's, it's, it's awesome how you have caused people to take a step back from their digital lives to connect with one another uh, on in a real world way, supportive, safe, and especially with common uh, common ground. Um, and I, I to have that to have the iOS element, I think is is a great way to kind of keep keep them in touch digitally as well. But to have it to be a focus on in person gatherings and chats, I think is is a brilliant thing. So it's wearequilt.com. Obviously, you can do a search for quilt in the uh, in the iOS app store as well, um, or any app store, I guess, uh, for that matter. Um, and I wish you guys the best of luck. Thanks for so much for joining me today. Thank you, Brandon. So to date, Quilt has picked up $4.8 million in funding across four different rounds. And membership options started either $37 per month or $297 per year if you bill it all at once. All of those numbers are great. The story of why they built it and how they built it has been fascinating. But I want this story about Quilt and this business to be a different experience for you as my listener, male or female. And for that reason, the second half of this podcast episode, I'm going to give you my conversation with Ariel Schneidman, who is a Quilt host, started off as a Quilt member originally, and has since transitioned into a Quilt host in her home hosting these gatherings for other women and I want you to hear about what this transformational experience has been so you can get a feel not just for how wonderful the business model is but you can see what kind of impact it's had on the lives of at least one of the many members that Quilt has has attracted and I think there's lessons in it for you as a business owner in ways that you can connect with your customers on an emotional level not just on a business transactional level. So stick around and you'll hear the second half of this Quilt episode featuring Ariel Schneidman, member of Quilt. Have you ever noticed that many of the problems people calling with on this show can be solved by hiring someone? Sometimes you need a full-fledged team, other times maybe just a simple assistant or an expert in something you're not great at. Whatever your reason for hiring, we recommend you take a look at LinkedIn Jobs. 
LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate easy and intuitive. Hiring is always easy when you have access to so many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours when using LinkedIn Jobs. I've used it myself, and it was so simple. In fact, I've made multiple hires using LinkedIn Jobs. And did I mention, by the way, it's free to business owners like me and you. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash freelance. That's linkedin.com slash freelance to post your job for free or click the link in our show description. Terms and conditions apply. You know, working from home is mostly great, but there are some days when I realize I haven't left my house or even my chair like all day. Have you been there? Getting outside to exercise or making a trip to the gym are just harder now that my office is just a flight of stairs away. If you're stuck in the same rut as me, then you should try Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W. With the Hydro rower and 20 minutes a day, getting a full body workout is so much easier. Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in just 20 minutes for an insane effective home workout. That's because Hydro pairs the effectiveness of rowing with the power of technology to connect you with over 5,000 video trainings, classes, and workouts. And get ready to get out from behind your home desk because after a few months of daily rowing with Hydro, your partner's gonna wanna take you out for a night on the town to show you off. This spring, join the growing rowing community at Hydro. Head over to hydro.com and use code FREELANCE to save up to $400 off your Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com and promo code FREELANCE to save $400. Hydro.com, promo code FREELANCE, or just click the link in our show description. Quilt is an amazing community. It's, it's, it's this organic, in-person, it's almost like this counterpunch to modern society where everything is digital, much of it is superficial, and real connections are hard to come by. Uh, especially for people who may not want to make connections through a bar scene or something like that, you know, and they want to, but they do want to, uh, their own posse. <laughs> they don't want their own group of, uh, you know, inner friends that they can um, have a real encouraging and supportive relationship with that might be business oriented. It might be just personal oriented. And so I'm fascinated with this. And now I have Ariel Schneidman in, who is a quilt, uh, who's, who's a quilt member uh, and has been for a year now in Brooklyn, New York. She's even hosted um, chats now for several months, and we're going to talk a little bit about what quilt means to her and what it's accomplished or what it's uh, what it's meant to her over these uh, over these this these twelve months that she's been a member. Ariel, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. So. I mentioned that you've been a member for a year. You have participated first in the chats and then have emerged now as a host of the chats in your one-bedroom apartment in Brooklyn. <laughs> um, and uh, I, 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 again, I, you know I'm, I'm fascinated with the concept, but tell us how you first found out about Quilt and why the idea appealed to you to begin with. Sure. So... Um I guess I'll give a little bit of backstory. So I had moved to New York from San Francisco. I was in my late twenties. And at this point I had already spent about a year in New York and I was just kind of heads down focused on my job. I would wake up, go to my job, come home. Um, and a year went by and I realized I hadn't really 
invested in community and relationships. Like, sure, I went to a ton of networking events. I met a bunch of people, but very kind of surface level relationships, nothing where I was having deep kind of meaningful connection um, conversations. And it was really starting to affect my well-being and happiness and honestly, a, a bit of my sense of self and connection. And so I was just kind of, you know, not really sure what to do about this. Um, and I was talking to one of my girlfriends who was living in Singapore, and she had heard about quilts. Um, and this was, I think she knew uh, one of the people on the founding team, I'm not even sure. But she gave me the gist of what it was. And I said, that sounds cool. I knew nothing else. All I knew was it was intimate groups, uh, small groups of women gathering in people's homes to talk about deep and meaningful topics. Uh, so I signed up for one, I think it was December, 2018, around winter time in uh, 2018. I showed up at someone's apartment in the Lower East Side. They were serving hot toddies. Um, and it was me and about seven other women. And we sat down and talked about female friendships on a really deep level in a way that I had never talked about that before in that kind of way. And I remember leaving, it was an hour and I walked in and although I was a stranger and knew no one, I felt so welcomed. And I remember walking out and feeling like, like I just walked out of like a therapy session. Like I felt so therapeutic um, because there was no talk of like work and jobs and what do you do and all these types of things that you get so much of in big cities when you're meeting new people. Um, and yeah, that's how I heard about it and how I fell in love with it. <laughs> walking into that meeting, did you know that there would be a structure to it? Did you know what to expect as far nope. as how the chat would go? No, nope, I knew nothing. So I was just like wide-eyed and paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> and so as the meeting is playing out then, the, your first meeting, as the first meeting is playing out, are, are you just feel like this warming in your heart? <laughs> like this is what I was craving. Yes. So we, uh, they let us mingle for about 10 to 15 minutes. And then we all gather in a circle on a couch, living room, whatever. And um, the host, the person who's hosting the chat kind of goes through a few ground rules. So they kind of give you a sense of like, this is how it's going to go for the next hour. Here's what you can expect. So it wasn't just kind of unfolding before my eyes where I wasn't sure what was going to happen. Um, they gave us kind of a, a debrief of, of what's going to be happening. Um, and then we just after five minutes of like, here's what's going to happen, we just dove into the topic on a really deep level and people sharing from a really vulnerable place about real things that are going on in their life. And that's when I was just like, wow, like it would take me a long time to get to these types of conversations with someone I just met, like, I don't know, at a bar. Uh, and so, yeah. Wow. So, and do you remember what the topic was back then? Or are you able to reveal, <laughs> reveal? What yeah, that was? The, the topic back then I believe was female friendships. And so most of us uh, at the chat were in our late twenties, early thirties. And we're realizing that a lot of the friendships we had maybe in high school and college, things start to shift when you get older, you grow apart or you change. Um, and sometimes it's very painful. And a lot of us we're, I mean, we attended this event clearly because we this resonated with us. And just to hear that other women were kind of dealing with the same things, I think made us feel more connected, maybe less guilty. Um, 
And uh, yeah, it was really, really nice. Wow. That's that you must've just walked away feeling, Oh, what just happened? Yeah. <laughs> when can exactly. I attend one of these again? Yes. <laughs> it's unlike anything I'd ever been to. So what can you tell me about the, the other types of topics to get brought up um, as far as subjects, the taboo, like what's not allowed to be discussed and what are the subjects that you guys do try to grapple with so that there is some depth to the conversations, mm -hmm. but also so people feel safe opening up mm -hmm. because uh, clearly everyone becomes um, close <laughs> just by the, the nature of the conversations uh, really quickly, but you don't know each other that mm -hmm. well yet. So what do you talk about? What do you not talk about? How do the, how are the conversations um, structured in that way? So I don't know that there's anything we don't talk about, but to answer your question in terms of making people feel safe. So one of the rules is we are allowed to listen and we are allowed to share, but we are not allowed to give advice or to argue. So if someone were to share something that I personally don't agree with, I can't try to give them advice or educate them. All I can do is either just listen or I can share my own story. And so there's this kind of respect and boundary that's almost set with this type of rule that um, you're not ever kind of attacking or getting to some place that's not making someone feel unsafe. Um, and in terms of topics, we the topics we talk about are we try to keep it fairly broad and we let the people who attend kind of dive in and drive the conversation and take it where they want to take it. So, um, for example, I've hosted chats on uh, the topic of like risk and uncertainty and doubt. Um, I've gone to chats where the topic was um, power. Um, there are so many things you can talk about when it comes to risk or power. And I've gone to multiple chats on these topics. Um, and each chat is different because the people who attend are struggling, say, with power in a different way, and they have different experiences. And so the conversation in that chat goes a different way than it would have with another group of people. When you when you think back about why you first joined Quilt and hope to get out and what you hope to get out of it, and where you're at today with your expectations of of Quilt being met clearly because you're sticking sticking with it, how would you describe that journey? How would you describe um, you know what? the ways it's impacted being a part of it has impacted your life, maybe beyond what you were even looking for at first. Can you talk about that? Sure. So I think what I was looking for initially was just to connect with more women, not on like a professional level, but on a real friendship level. Um, I've gotten that. I think I have built real relationships with women through quilts, but Aside from that, which was, which was what I was originally looking for, it's given me um, a sense of belonging such that the conversations I have in these different chats show me just how normal I really am because we get so caught up in our own head and our own thoughts of like, is my life going okay? Like, is my job okay? Like, should I do this or should I do that? Why does this person look like they're doing all this cool stuff? And I, there's all these things. Should I take this job or not? Should I start this business or not? All these different things. Um, and we think, we often feel like, oh God, I'm the only one who's like really thinking about this stuff. When it turns out 
in my experience, everyone is thinking about this stuff. And that's been the biggest kind of, I don't know, maybe I'd call it reward is we are all kind of grappling with these big questions and uncertainties. And it, it makes you feel like, okay, this is just life. <laughs> I'm not messed up. <laughs> and it's been really nice. So my understanding previously was that it is an encouraging place. It is a place where maybe you can, I don't, I don't, it's not a networking thing by any means. So it's not like you don't talk business or what you're doing in life at all, but it's not designed to be something that, that where you're networking your businesses or anything like that whatsoever. If that happens, my my feeling is, is that if that happens, great. If real personal one-to-one friendships form, Great. Like that's that's a expected outcome of this. But this isn't something that is business at its core. It's really a an interpersonal um uh it's an interpersonal uh community, I guess, of people who might otherwise feel challenged like you did about finding a a nice core group of friends, people that can that they can turn to and open up to without having to spend spend you know years developing a depth of that kind of relationship with them it seems like it's really genuine about the connections one with another as opposed to some sort of business oriented yeah exactly so i would say if work comes up like if someone's struggling with something with work and what they do comes up naturally in a chat that's great um they're not organized to be like networking events however at the end of each chat we give 5 to 10 minutes for asks Uh, We call them asks. And an ask can be something personal or professional you have of the people who are in the chat. You could ask for a doctor recommendation in Brooklyn, like which, I don't know, throat doctor should I go to? Or you could say, hey, like I am looking for more clients like this. Do you guys know anyone? And that's kind of a container Quilt has created for us to be able to have those asks if we have them um, without it kind of tainting the more, uh, the deeper conversation piece. Um, and if you have nothing to ask, then you just don't ask. Um, but it gives people the opportunity to connect in that way if they want to. What a, what a community you found. <laughs> tell me, tell me as we close here, tell me about what your online business is and, um, and how, how you run that business has been like, where are the quilt fingerprints <laughs> on you running that business? Where would we see, not from the outside, but where do you see the impact of you being involved in quilt in your online business? Gotcha. So I am a success and business coach for women. So I help entrepreneurial purpose-driven women kind of uncover their zone of genius, um, break through limiting beliefs and uh, monetize their magic. And so I think quilts, I mean, my business is all about connection, uplifting women, supporting women, empowering women. Um, and I think quilt is just kind of weaves beautifully into how I spend like my professional day. Um, because I get to do that same thing at quilts just in a different way by facilitating a chat, um, or going to a chat and contributing to a conversation and sharing something that is, you know, means something to someone else. Um, I think they intertwine beautifully and it just, yeah, it helps me fulfill my mission of honestly uplifting, supporting, and empowering women just in a different way. I think whether I had this type of business that I have or whether I was working a corporate job that had nothing to do with, you know, empowering or supporting women, 
the ability to be able to shut off from work, which is so hard today with on with Slack, with email, with all these things, to be able the ability to be able to shut off from it and step into someone's home or have people step into my home and be able to sit down for an hour and talk about something at a really deep level without being distracted by technology or how we look when we say something or how worried about being how we're going to be perceived, I think is just so therapeutic and important for human beings. Uh, honestly, not just women. I think it's important for everyone, but for, for women especially. And I think it would help keep me sane. I mean, it still helps keep me sane. It it, it really is a way to to connect back with people on a on a level that's so difficult today. That's fantastic. Ariel, thanks so much for opening up. Appreciate you being willing to join me. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. If you couldn't tell, I was blown away by the business model and the impact of Quilt on Ariel Schneidman and the feeling of the founders and the kind of movement that they wanted to put together. That is your story of WeAreQuilt.com, founded by Ashley Sumner and Gianna Wurzel. All right, coming up next week, he is possibly one of the more opinion, if not one of the most opinionated men on LinkedIn. His name is Michael Pratt. He is the CEO and founder of Pan Amplify. He is a former Wall Street Goldman Sachs leader, a former digital agency business development leader, and now he runs a fun new tech startup in Dallas, Texas. Catch that episode. All right, a thank you to my co-producer, Mr. Preston Lee, founder of Milo.co and the Milo Mastermind, as well as Bilal Abrar, our phenomenal assistant. We're also proud members of the Podglomerate Network, and I want you to check them out at thepodglomerate.com. The Podglomerate, a sonic universe. And please feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at Brandon Hull, H-U-L-L. We'll catch you next week on Freelance the Founder.